0: Welcome, everyone, to our podcast, You Don't Need a Do-Over, You Need an Action Plan. I'm your host, Jermaine Donaldson, and on this episode, we're going to be discussing parenting with one of my good friends, actually my brother-in-law, and I actually co-wrote a book with his guy, Frank Jennings. Frank is the father of two boys, Ian and Ethan, and he's been doing it now for well over a decade, so I'm sure he has some nuggets of knowledge that he can share with us we're not going to let him escape until he gives us some of that wisdom. So how are you doing, Frank?
1: Doing great, man. Thanks for having me today.
0: Man, thanks for jumping on the call. I, I literally was going through the thought process and thinking about 2019 and thinking about parenting, and I said, who would be a great person to drop some knowledge on parenting that, you know, has kind of been through the ringer and knows some of the ups and downs, and you were the first name that came to my mind. So I really am excited that you would jump on the call. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yeah. So as it relates to parenting, there was a couple of things that jumped out to me and I got stuck I watched this video and I got stuck on this quote. And it says, Be the parent today that you want your kids to remember tomorrow. Um what does that quote mean to you and how is it on display as you raise Ian and Ethan?
1: Great question. When I heard the quote, the first thing that stuck out to me was legacy. The word remember immediately made me think after I'm gone, like how do I want my children to act, think, and behave when my name is mentioned? When when they're gone, when I'm gone, will they close their eyes in a joyous remembrance, or will I be, uh, oh, dad, you know, that guy that they don't look for with reverence and appreciation. I want want it to be the good example. And the example that I consider that somebody's worth following is somebody, at least as a father, um, who displayed bravery, mastery, strength, and discipline. And those are kind of the big areas that I want my kids to remember.
0: Love it. Love it. That's Profound and true. So knowing that, how do you encourage your boys and embed in them the reality that good things are supposed to happen to them? I mean, I'm a parent myself, and I I struggle with that one, but I, I really want them to know and want them to get to a place where they expect to be successful. So tell me a little bit more about your thoughts on that.
1: So when it comes to being successful, and that term can vary based upon the perception of the person who's using it. But I look at it in a parenting sense that luck favors the prepared. It's always one of still one of my favorite quotes. And so I I, I don't believe that good things happen by coincidence. I think they are a repercussion of hard work and determination. And so what I do manufacture the idea that good things happen to people who do the work is I try to be an example of somebody who's willing to do the work. So when it comes to my personal self, um, if I want my children to be strong financially, I need to make sure that I have good financial behaviors. Am I paying my bills on time? Am I overwritten with debt? Am I saving for my future when it comes to my physical body? Am I taking care of myself mentally and physically? Am I taking time for myself? Am I working out? Am I putting effort into my attire and how I look on a daily basis? And even when it comes to a spiritual sense, am I praying? Am I reading my Bible? Am I spending time making sure that my values and beliefs are rooted and grounded in truth and living my best to meet those expectations. In addition to that, I also have to recognize the human condition. Am I being honest with myself and who I am and leading an example that's realistic for my children to follow?
0: Wow, that's really good. And I love what you said about hard work and determination because I know they're like the foundation of just having good character, As an individual, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, if you're a kid or an adult. That foundation really starts with having the desire to put in the work and then the determination to see it through to the end. And when I think about those, that's not something that comes quickly. That's something that usually takes time. So what role does patience play in your parenting style? I mean,
1: that's huge. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. As a parent yourself, see, you're already laughing because you know that is, that is one of the greatest battles. So here's what I learned later in the parenting game that I wish I'd known sooner. You have to look at your children through a realistic lens. So my oldest son is 13, and in Austin I had expectations of a grown man that I would put on my 13-year-old. My I expect him to be responsible. I expect him to be loyal. I expect him to be proactive, to look and be like, oh, man, there's garbage spilling all over the floor. Maybe I should take this out now. And it caused so much frustration (laughs) in your head. You're like, man, this dude, is he's going to be my number one. Like, he's going to look out for me. If something happened to me, he's going to take care of the house. And it's it's not reality. Uh, Teenagers, they got testosterone. Boys got testosterone coursing through their veins. Um, They're very self-interested. Like, they don't have the mental capacity to think at the higher levels of, as you do as an adult. And so once I learned to realistically look at my children, the game changed. You know, I'm, I'm going to have to repeat myself. I'm going to have to stay on top of an activity that I need to make sure that I have to create the person that. Um, I want him to become. But it's it's a process. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> and it has diabetes. So patience plays a major role. Patience, and I feel like realism, like you have to be realistic in your assessment of your children, which is sometimes hard.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And I think that is a area of opportunity to they jokingly say we're all in the big room, the room for improvement. I've heard that a few Definitely. times. I know that's an area of improvement for me that I still have a lot of tweaking to do to work on my patients. So I love it. I love it. And it is a process. I mean, you can't you can't make light of the fact that it doesn't happen overnight. There's repetition that's going into trying to train up our children and to get them to a point of success. And with that being said, I know as our children are changing, even we as parents have to continue to change and evolve and kind of meet our children where they are because that spot is mm-hmm. not the same. It's going to keep changing. So do you have any goals around the way you want to parent better in 2019? I mean, have you sat down and thought about that? Or off the top of your head, what, what comes to mind when you think of how you want to be better? What, what action plan are you looking to put in place in 2019 as it relates to parenting?
1: Man, another great question. You brought all the big guns this time. I said, <laughs> <laughs> good. So when it comes to goals, when it's related to parenting, I often look back as what I wished I had when I was a kid. Now, that's not saying that my parents were failures or diminishing anything, that they did. But I recognize, as a child there was some opportunities that could have transformed my life um, had I been led in a different path. Mm. And so, for example, one of the things that I struggle with as an adult is my ability to stay focused on the task at hand and work on a job until it's complete. And I can recall several times when I was younger when I would have an issue That I was working on, let's say raking the leaves, and I couldn't get it into the bag or I couldn't finish it, my dad would come out and do the job for me instead Mm. of making me get through it. And so, going into 2019, or every day almost with my children, I have a personal goal to create a hardship. And I know that's a term that's probably not going to be popular, but (laughs) I want to create challenges for my children and force them to overcome. So leaves would be a primary example. I have a teenager, I can send him outside to rake the leaves. If it's raining, if it's snowing, and he has that's his responsibility. He has to get that job done. Now I mm-hmm. can give him guidance, I can give him the tools he needs. and I can help tell him what needs to be done. But if I give him the job, I have to let him finish it. Wow. And so even with children, as my young son, Ethan, you know, he is six, and so he doesn't have a lot of responsibilities, but the responsibilities that he does have, whether it's just after dinner, you have to put the plates in the dishwasher. I have to make sure that I do not handicap him by doing his work for him. And it's as simple as that, creating hardships and allowing my children to grow. Even in times <laughs> where it's challenging for them, I have to create that determination and that drive that they focus and do what they're capable of doing. I'm not going to put them in a position where they're going to fail. Well, maybe sometimes you do, actually, now that I say that. But <laughs> you've got to give them a chance to grow. <laughs> you've got to give them a chance to grow.
0: I love it. I love it. So it sounds like to me, and you just sent my mind running in about a million different directions, all good. Um, But if you're trying to help children be able to handle challenges, they have to understand sometimes in life that, you know, where they're trying to get to, their aim is, you know, on the 10th floor of a a, a skyscraper or it's on the 100th floor. And before they get there, they may have to build a staircase. You know, they they have to – Take each take steps to get to that goal, but if they never face any challenges along the way, that goal will become impossible because they never learned how to you know do with step one, deal with step two, deal with step three, and eventually get to that final destination through all of the obstacles that came in the way so one exactly. of the things you like challenged you yeah was that you got bailed out mm. <laughs> you you absolutely don't want to do that to your kids. You don't want to bail them out. You want to allow them to actually be resourceful and be able to overcome those obstacles. Am I am I getting that correctly? Exactly. They have you, to be able to stand on their own two feet. And as a
1: parent, man, that is really tough because you want you. It's it's hard to see your own kids struggle. You you want to make it easy for them. Um, it's just our nature. I want I want to create a better life for my children than I have for myself. And so I think by helping them, I'm helping them. But by helping them, I'm hurting them. And that mm. is a mind blowing concept.
0: <laughs> wow, I've I've literally had a conversation similar to this one before in our household about my oldest, who is 11, and we were trying to help her with a group project that she's working on with some of her classmates. And she happened to be in one of the uh, how can I say this politely less talented groups that exist in the program. (laughs) And a lot of the work continues to fall on her shoulders because she still wants the group to do well. And when it came an opportunity to switch groups, of course, being familiar with group dynamics, me and her mom, Rachel, were like, please, for your sanity, switch groups. And mm-hmm. she hasn't got to a point now where she recognizes that as a pain point that I needed a group that not only is easy for me to be a leader because nobody else is stepping up to lead, but I also need a group with people that's willing to do their fair share of the work because that takes the weight off of me and I'll ultimately lead to success. And the thought process of my wife, bless her heart, was, hey, just quit. We told you to quit. And I'm like, no. Yes. I, whether she learned it at 11 – then be, you know, 19 in a, in a group <laughs> at a, on a college campus with all of the people that suck, and she won't tell on anybody. She just does all of their work. Or 30 in a group <laughs> at work right. doing that all of the work, and everybody just dumps on her because they know she won't say anything, and she'll just make sure it gets done. But if she doesn't yeah. learn at 11, at some point in life, she'll be forced to learn it. So why mm-hmm. not <laughs> let her get it now? I said, nobody will look back and be like, you know, her life went wrong when she got that B in sixth grade <laughs> in science. Instead, they'll be like, that B was one of the most valuable lessons she ever got. So, man, right. you are, you are, you are killing it. I love it. I love it. So that leads me to the next thing. I mean, wow, I, wow, that is awesome. So I, I think myself, and I remember the first night I brought my daughter home, my oldest. And I literally looked at my wife after the third time of my daughter waking up and said, what did we do? Were we really ready for this? And she bust out laughing before (laughs) we were able to keep the kid and try to get her taken care of and back to sleep. But it makes me go back to all the stuff I've learned. And if you could go back to day one and meet yourself at the beginning of this parenting journey, what advice would you give that young, ambitious Frank that thought he, you know, had a view of what it was like to be a dad to a son, what would you tell that Frank if you could meet him today and help him kind of guide his path as a parent that you didn't know when you first took up this journey? Man, see, you, you got me
1: stumped there. Now, that's that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's what I will say you've flown an airplane before, I imagine, right?
0: Once or twice, once or twice.
1: And during the airplane safety procedures, if that plane is going down, one of the favorite stories they say is you have to put your mask on first before you can help anybody else.
0: You've heard that before, right? I have heard it, yes.
1: heard it before. So
0: I would apply that
1: to that question. I recognized as a young man when I had my first son that I immediately went into provider mode. It matured me. It made me a better man. Mm. And it also put me in a position where I thought I had to sacrifice the things that were important to me in order for my family to be successful. Mm. In retrospect, I recognize by me giving up a lot of the things that were important and valuable to me, I actually handicapped my family. Wow. as a leader. Wow. That's there's good. a term for that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say there's a term that I learned. It's called enlightened self interest. And I, I I can actually refer back to the first question when it came to, you know, be the parent that you want your children to remember. Um Enlightened self interest means that by me taking care of myself to the best of my ability, it puts me in a position to take care of others because I'm not doing it from a position of lack, but I'm doing it from a position of abundance. So -hmm. when it came to my physical body, if I wanted my son to be a protector of his household, to be strong, to be courageous, to be brave. I have to exemplify that. Your children become not what you tell them, but who you are. They're a replication of what they see example before them. So if I can't be a good example, I I can tell him about these traits that he should have, but it's better to live them. So if Mm -hmm. I put my mask on first and he sees me going to the gym five days a week, he sees me working out, he sees me looking for excellence in every area of my life. He sees me constantly challenging myself. He sees me when something breaks, I'm underneath the sink figuring it out, trying to fix it, calling in an expert and learning from them. He sees me growing. Mm. And that's what I would tell myself. You have this child, you have this family, and you have a big responsibility, but you have to make the most out of yourself in order for them to make the most out of themselves. They're looking up to you. And if you're not growing, they don't have anything to look up to. They don't have anything to admire and respect or to strive for.
0: Wow. Wow. That's that's really good. And how, and how do you think young Frank would have been able to take that message? Do you think he would have actually been open enough to, to hear it and apply it, or if it would have just... He would have been so focused on being in provider mode that he would have missed it.
1: I know myself well enough that I would have heard it. (laughs) I would have heard it. I would have thwarted it away. I would have thought about it, but I didn't see anybody who was exemplifying it, Mm. meaning that if I saw the results that I see, that I get with my life now or if I could find somebody that I can actually show them, like, this is what happens when you put on your mask first, The, the I would have received it in that fashion. Mm-hmm. But just me telling me, hey, you need to be the best version of yourself in order for your family to be the best version of themselves, it would have went in one ear out the. Of- <laughs>
0: I'm glad you were honest enough to say that because, as profound as that is, most people would hear that and be like, "That sounds so interesting," but it wouldn't cause them to take action, you know, because even though it, you know, it holds truth. I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't care if you're not a parent, you could hear that and something about it resonates because truth just has a way of resonating. So you would know it's true, but you'd be reluctant to attempt it just because. You know that natural essence kicks in, and I know when <laughs> when I had my first child, like I really got to be a grown up. I have to adopt right. every day and every day forever and ever, all man. And I didn't, you know, disconnect from the fact that even though I have to be a dad, even though I have to be responsible, even though I have to take care of these people, if I don't take care of me, they're getting a really poor version of me, and that's right. not good for anybody. So that's huge. That's huge. Well. Man, I only have five questions. I purposely only have five, and you literally slay all five of them. I'm stoked that you were able to join us. Is there any last words you want to leave us with, Frank, just what you're working on, what you're doing, what's going on, or just any advice you want to give parents that are saying, hey, I want to be a better parent in 2019 than I was every other year prior to this? What is that last word of wisdom you want to share with us?
1: It all relates back to that last question. Done. Success that I've had in the last few years of my life completely destroys, in a good sense, any success that I've had in the 32 years prior. And the shift in mindset was related to putting your mask on first. If you are on the fence, if you have. Children of your own, if you have a family of your own, and you're wondering why you can't have the success of what you're looking for, invest inward. Invest inward. Whether it's physically, whether it's spiritually, whether it's financially, you have to challenge yourself to grow. And that is the key to making everybody's
0: life better.
1: Everybody's life better.
0: Well, if you're listening, you heard it here first. If you haven't applied that, I challenge you to take that to heart, store it in the back of your mind, because there's going to come challenges that will make you doubt that truth. But if you think about it hard enough, you'll recognize it's not just good in the natural, it's good in the spiritual. Yeah, it makes sense on an airplane, but it also makes sense in your life. So with that, thank you for tuning in to this episode. You don't need a do-over. You need an action plan. And you got some great tips today that you can put into action that will change the way you parent throughout the rest of this year. Tune in next time. We'll have another great guest, another great conversation that you'll be able to hew some wisdom out of that can change your life. Thanks for listening.